Welcome to Porn Academy, an international podcast that combines pop culture and academics. We post a new episode every Monday. Human sacrifice is as old as humanity. Archaeologists find the remains of ritually murdered people all around the world, from many cultures. Even the swamps of the blessed and innocent Dutch countryside hold cadavers of the victims of Iron Age sacrament. But like so many rituals, human sacrifices become displaced and transferred to cheaper things over time. People become animals, and animals become bones, symbolic accessories at traditional Seder dinners. Or people become the voluntary avatar of God, sacrificed just a little on the cross, only to get better after a couple of days. (laughs) But sometimes the cheapening of the ritual goes the other way. The human sacrifice continues, no longer as an auspicious offering to the gods, but just for entertainment. This is how the gladiatorial ritual evolved in Rome, from the exceptional to a mass industry of death for the entertainment and intimidation of thousands. But what of the sacrifices? When you lock people up and force them to fight to the death in the arena, they tend not to like it. And when you arm them and train them as killers... They might use their weapons against you to kill the masters. The uprisings of slaves and gladiators have become legendary, referenced by liberation movements up till the present. In today's episode, we look at this particular type of blowback and what popular culture makes of it. Hi, I'm Rutger and I'm talking to Gil. Hi Rutger, how are you doing? Pretty good, how are you? Oof, this is another... Roman episode, Roman history through movies episode. And like all of our previous episodes, we're super pumped. Uh, watching a bunch of movies, researching, thinking about the whole thing. Because while we're talking about ancient Rome, this is actually, as you uh, mentioned, uh, hinted at in your intro, still relevant. Mm-hmm. Feels still relevant uh, for people today. So what are the movies that we're talking about. What are the movies? Well, we watched a couple of super long ones, a couple of good ones, a <laughs> couple of bad ones, uh, and I suppose we go through them chronologically. Okay. By that, I mean the chronology of the historical events being referred to, and that probably means that we should start with Spartacus. Spartacus. And what did we watch for Spartacus, Gil? So that's the 1960. Uh, epic historical drama starring uh, Iser Danilevich. Uh, later changed his name to Kirk Douglas. What? The <laughs> <laughs> Today, we, the Jewish people, take Lenny Kravitz. Wow, it's a proud move that do pick Lenny Kravitz, folks. He's actually half black and half Jewish. His mother was on The Jeffersons, a pivotal show in black culture, and his father, a Jew, was her lawyer. <laughs> Couldn't make that up. Well, Lenny is all- Jewish, he's Jewish. Also. Yes, yeah, so he's like the Jewish superhero, our action hero. I had no idea. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, because it's an impressive I, win. Yeah. I don't know why people aren't mentioning it. You you won't find today. With that uh, chin, really? <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> I guess a lot of raping went on in uh, Russia for about for a few generations. Oh. And that and that movie was uh, directed by the legendary Stanley Kubrick. Yes. So that's the first uh, the first movie that uh, follows uh, the famous uh, slave revolt leader Spartacus. That was like in the late Roman Republic. So we'll start with that. Yep. Our next movie is Ben Hur. What are you going to tell me that Charlton Heston is Jewish? <laughs> no, but I thought you were going to say something about me calling it Ben Hur and well, not the, Ben Hur. Ben Hur. When you say Ben Hur, it keeps entertaining me. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, it's not Ben Hur. It's a it's a Hebrew name. Anyway, anyway, that's the 1959 uh, Charlton Heston movie where he plays uh, a Judean aristocrat uh, who falls from, gra- uh, from grace and goes into the ring, but the chariot ring. And then later goes on to lead the NRA. From my cold, dead hands. <laughs> yes. And then <laughs> Jesus comes in and just thwarts the, the Jewish revolt because I guess we shouldn't revolt. We should just accept and uh, tend the other cheek. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't Jesus. like I. Uh, I mean, I I knew that the film was going to have religious overtones, but it wow. got really Jesusy all of a sudden. Wow! Like, wait, wait. Wow! 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 Jesus is like uh, Jesus Gump, like Forrest Gump. He just comes in into all all these plot points and just changes uh, the plot just by being there. I follow you anywhere, Mr. Gump. So I got company, and after that, I got more company. And then, even more people joined in. Somebody later told me it gave people hope. Okay, let me heal the lepers right there. Let me give him some uh, water right now. And you don't even see him. It's an interesting depiction of Jesus. You only see him from the back. That's, that's also how you make uh, Mohammed movies. <laughs> yes, that, that's safer. And were you, weren't you surprised by the religious overtones in the Spartacus movie? Uh, yes, I was. Okay, but we'll mention that later. Okay, and then our third film is your favorite movie of all time. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And this time, I didn't even watch it because I've already watched it again and again <laughs> okay. and again. And the movie is <laughs> Gladiator from 2000. <laughs> Finally, but we're not uh, we're not going to do a very deep exegesis of Gladiator okay. the film, I think, because I kind of thought we were also going to okay. try it in other ways, in other episodes, weren't we? Yes, 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 yes. We're just going to touch on some stuff. Basically, the plot is relevant. It's a alternative history of uh, the late second century Roman Empire with uh, Maximus, the general, falling from grace again mm-hmm. after Commodus, uh, the would-be emperor, kills the acting emperor, his dad. Marcus Aurelius. Or also known as Mark Aurel. <laughs> in, in the American way, yes. <laughs> yeah, why, why is Marcus Antonius, Mark Antony, and Marcus Aurelius, Marcus Aurelius? Mark Aurel. Mark Aurel. <laughs> <laughs> it makes just as much, as much sense. That's right. Yeah. And then famously, uh, Maximus uh, becomes a, a gladiator. Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the Felix Regents. <laughs> Husband to a murdered wife. Father to a murdered son. And I shall have my vengeance in this life or the next. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it is good. It is good. Mm. 
Well, it's a tale as old as time. A man falls from grace and has to fight in the arena and then kills the masters because that's how history goes. Yes. And this is like a military entertainment complex. Yes. So depicts the, the gladiatorial game. So we, there's a lot to, to learn from that and to reference uh, from that movie about the experience of watching the gladiatorial games and participating in the gladiatorial games. And I watched some uh, bonus uh, materials as well. Sorry ah, you have some bonus material? Go, go. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, as one bonus uh, material, I also watched the series uh, Spartacus, uh, and um, particularly Good. Spartacus Blood and Sand. Uh, and Netflix? Yeah, yeah Netflix. And uh, I still have to decide what I think of it, but maybe recommend it. And I also, when we are talking about uh, people being enslaved and then uh, having to fight to the death, but then them rising up, of course, I couldn't help but rewatch Django Unchained. Ah, okay. Django Unchained, interesting. Um, So I guess that's, that's the materials on my end. Okay. Let's give our listeners a little bit of background about slavery in Rome. Slavery in Rome was not quite like the uh, slavery that we uh, remember in the West from our more recent colonial past, uh, because the slavery in Rome wasn't really as racialized, and it wasn't necessarily always as much chattel slavery. Some slaves had basically pretty good jobs. Yeah, you had a lot of differences. Like uh, there was a lot of inequality, inequality within the slave community. <laughs> but me, as a, like a sometimes a teacher, uh, could have easily been a Greek slave <laughs> in in Rome, yeah. right? Yeah, and have the sa- yeah have the same position that you have yeah, now, more or less the, the same position. Yeah, 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 and be nicely treated. Sure. Also, yeah, yeah. like uh, tutoring, uh, yeah, you know, like young uh, aspiring Romans. Sure. And for, yeah, for the gladiators, the, the background's a little bit different, also because of the history of the gladiatorial uh, gaming, because it kind of starts out uh, not at all as blood sport, but as a uh, religious ritual that was uh, connected to the funeral rites. And it wasn't initially really Roman either. So, like before. Rome consolidated power all throughout Italy. Of course, there was a bunch of different city-states and, and different regions. And uh, south of Rome was and is the Campania, with the major city being Capua. Capua. And um, there, it was uh, most strongly represented as a, as a kind of tradition where if uh, somebody important passed away, then that occasion would be marked by an honorary death match, uh, basically next to his funeral. Maybe kind of in the same way that uh, when other, you know, in other cultures, when the big man passes away, then his his servants and slaves and and relatives or whatever also have to go into the grave. So it's maybe something like that, and you know, ritual death match. <laughs> um, and then as as Rome expanded, they kind of were got interested in that idea as also a way to uh, display 
power and influence, right? It's kind of costly to put up a death match. You have to waste some slaves. So that's kind of, you know, it's a, kind of an expenditure. And it became more and more this kind of display of, of, of wealth. Right? Like, look, I can honor my dad by whacking 20 Thracians. Ta-da! Um, and, and, and that turned out to be pretty popular entertainment. So, so that's how it really grew into an industry and an industry that was fed also by the territorial expansion of the Romans. Yeah. And you kind of see it in, in the gladiatorial games as well because they did a really fucked up thing, which is where the gladiators, the slaves, were supposed to represent different conquered peoples. So they had like matchups where we have Thracians, which is like Bulgarians roughly <laughs> right now, and then kind of dressed up in campy style that was supposed to look Thracian and, and then f- duke it out. And then as the empire expanded, also they kind of retired some characters because it was started to get a little offensive. Like as, as more Gauls became Romanized, they retired the Gaul figure <laughs> in the games because people took offense. <laughs> Um, but it was uh, so they had the different roles, right? So gladiator games, I guess, in my in my own idea of it, I just thought, well, they send a couple of people in the re- arena and just go. But there was like rules, and there was like specific types of matchups that they had with specific uniforms and specific weaponry. And with otherwise also rules, like there was basically a referee called the editor who uh, made sure that everything was done fairly, quote-unquote. Um, and you could actually survive uh, matches as well, even if you lost, although that was kind of subject to uh, fashion, right? So the way a match went, okay, so it was usually one-on-one, and there was like specific roles where you had specific types, and they had kind of thought this through, like, okay, if we have one heavily armed who is, like, very well protected but can't move so quickly, then it would be fun to have somebody else who's lightly armed, can move quickly, and then, like, okay, that's going to be a nice match, right? It's an, it's an experiment. <laughs> yes, and, uh, like, people had, like, specific favorites of, like, oh, I like the one with the trident, the Retiarius. Uh, uh, wow. That's very not useful. Well... When we look at the stats, it was actually pretty well matched against the very heavily armed ones, which was mm. especially the Secutor. Huh? Um, then they could both have a win because the heavily armed one just got super tired <laughs> within the, uh, like a couple of minutes. So if the lightly armed one just keeps running, just like you see in the life of Brian, <laughs> then the other one might just get tired out and then all of a sudden finds a trident in their stomach and then, okay, it's game over mm. that way. Oh, oh, I think I'm about to have a cardiac arrest. But then during a match, one of the rules was that actually you could yield. You could say, okay, I give up. We don't quite know what the different hand gestures were, but yielding was probably like two fingers in the air. And then the editor was going to decide what happens to you. Uh, also based on what the audience wants, of course. And there was mm. also hand gestures for that. We now think, or it's often displayed as thumbs up, thumbs down. It probably wasn't quite it. And then, uh, you know, if it was, so to speak, thumbs down, then uh, the other gladiator had to deliver the kill by uh, cutting the throat of the loser. 
But that was actually not necessarily the case that that would happen. So, for example, under uh, Augustus, they were kind of running out <laughs> of conquered people. So uh, Augustus declared, we're no longer doing games that are sine missione, so no quarter given. So if you yielded, then you got to live. And we actually know from the stats that those gladiators who lost a bunch of matches and still died of old age. Huh. Yeah. So I think this brings us to the gladiator experience. Uh, so let's let's talk now a little bit about that from the movie Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is basically like uh, an ancient uh, boxing match or an American football match where people get hurt. Sure. Uh, or or whatever Formula One racing where people get hurt. From Universal Studios Hollywood. This is American Gladiators. Selected from a nationwide search, 20 men and women have come to Hollywood to challenge our force of American Gladiators for a single honor to become American Gladiators champions. Now, here are your American Gladiators, Gemini. Lace, Nitro, Gold, Laser, Blaze, Thunder, Ice, Turbo, and Diamond. The host for American Gladiators, Mike Adamley and his co-host, Larry Zonka. So it's easy to look down on Romans and on peoples in the Roman Empire who enjoyed uh, that. But we watched the movie Gladiator and we kind of enjoy <laughs> watching people getting killed. Well, that's just why all these films are being made. Like by proxy, we still enjoy yes. the entertainment. Like we now know it's it's movie making, but we still kind of like that gore. Yes, and and, and that's, that's like fictionalized or whatever. And, and you know that it's not real, but boxing... Is real and you watch it replays how people get hit in the head and celebrate it when they get knocked out. That's all it took. One shot, he may not get up. Both are stumbling around. Eight, nine, can he make it? It's over. It's over. Mike Tyson has returned. One right here. So it's basically that kind of uh, thing. And the moment when they step into the Colosseum and you see all the people cheering, you can just feel, uh, you're supposed to to feel that, that you're inside with them in the ring and you can feel your juices flowing like, man, I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> I'm going to kill somebody tonight. Well, yeah, but that's also the f- the flaw in these films. I think, like, still they totally play on our enjoyment of the violence, and the movie Gladiator does that, the Spartacus series does it really to a a pornographic extent, like, it's very gory, and uh, we're entertained by it, but shouldn't we kind of see on film how fucked up it really is? Like, in Django Unchained, they actually show it much better, I don't know if you recall or if you've seen it, but there's what they then call a Mandingo fight, in basically the lounge of uh, Leo DiCaprio's uh, character. Finish. 
Go on, go on, finish it. That's why they call him Big Fred. Worth every penny. Well, arrivederci, Luigi. Come on up now, boy. Get yourself a rest. You did a fine job, a real fine job. And there, the match turns your stomach, right? And that's really how it should be displayed. All of a sudden, you are really notice oh, how fucked up this really is and what freaks are watching this. Mm. It's interesting. So on one hand, that's, that's one perspective. On the other hand, by glorifying it, they make you feel as the Romans felt while you're watching it, that this is awesome. And we can also mention like the times when these movies come out. So... In the 50s and 60s, there's like an explosion, an explosion of American movies about Rome, about mm-hmm. ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. Before that, not so much at all. And then after the 50s and 60s, no movies about Rome for like 30 years almost until Gladiator brings it back. And then it's either American or British. Mm-hmm. So this is like the empire, the current empire and the former empire are the only ones who can create movies, or Italians, mm-hmm. can create movies about Rome as an empire. If you had like a Dutch movie or a French movie, let's say, then you would have the Gauls there. Mm-hmm. It would be from the Gallic perspective. Or if it's a German movie, it would be from the Germans' perspective. So that's like a, the, the license that they have, the Americans, and they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, or eat their cake and have it too, whatever. Like, okay, we're an empire, but the empire is wrong. Look, slavery, look, uh, Colosseum. And we haven't mentioned the, how like, the, the, the late Roman Republic and the, and the Roman Empire is like a slave economy. Like mm. estimates say that 10% of the people in the empire are slaves. And you could have like one or two slaves, but you could also have like 300 slaves. So mm. it's like very unequal also in the distribution of, uh, of slavery. But the films that you mentioned, like Spartacus and Ben-Hur, which are both these super-duper long epic uh, films, uh, are films that were made at the height of the Cold War, and they do reference the whole slave economy and the Roman Empire, but exactly not in a way that might give a propaganda victory to the communist side. There's no social critique of the slavery except as Christian propaganda. Yes. Even yes. though, like Spartacus, only a couple of decades before these films were made, the whole Spartacus uprising, for example, in Germany, was all very, very communist. Yeah, it was very communist. But I did hear one, uh, one historian say, uh, say something uh, nice about it, something uh, interesting about it, that Spartacus is probably the only thing that Karl Marx and Ronald Reagan agreed on because the Americans, they tried to uh, incorporate uh, the Spartacus values, which, were, as you said, were socialist, but just like you know, the pursuit of freedom. Mm. Oh, my goodness, Spartacus, it was uh, an image of freedom, and obviously... It is easier to look down on slavery when it's done in Roman times than your own slavery, which uh, makes people uh, feel uncomfortable mm. about uh, the history of their own land. Because if you had slavery, then what does it say about you? I don't know. Let's go to Spartacus. So the film Spartacus uh, portrays the events 
that are also known as the Third Servile War. Uh, so in the late Roman Republic, this whole slave economy became so uh, unstable and so hard to manage that actually on multiple occasions slaves rose up and were very hard to put down again. Uh, and there was uh, uh, at, at least three of these. So like the first two ones were smaller scale, like in Sicily, the island at the end of, uh, of Italy. They had some religious connotations and didn't uh, conjure those images of uh, freedom. Like the Spartacus Rebellion, we're going to talk about how it started, how, how they see it in the movie, but he's like a Moses-type figure leading uh, oppressed people. Slaves flocked to his army and his caravan going to the south and then to the north. It's an iconic story. It's an incredible story, this character that we know very, very little about. So many of the aspects of the story are so stereotypical for the situation. I think it's hard to really be sure if the figure exactly existed and as, as described in the story, like, the, okay, yeah. there's a gladiator uprising in Capua, because Capua is the home of gladiatorial fights. And the leader is a Thracian. So the uh, characteristic Thrax fighter in the gladiatorial games. And the name is also probably not really his name. Spartacus was a figure that existed previously. So it was maybe some kind of non de guerre or something like that. Like a stage name. Like a stage name, like an alias. or Yeah, yeah. and we know definitely that Spartacus wasn't <laughs> like the Spartacus depicted in the movie where he has these modern ideals of freedom and he's like, when they're starting to torture emotionally at first, <laughs> their former masters, he's like, no, what are we becoming? We're becoming like them. <laughs> no, this is for sure not what a leader of a slave revolt would say. That's precisely the point. <laughs> Yes, let's be like them, let's kill a lot of people, and this is the world, what, they're going to fight with the tanks and we're going to fight with the flowers? No, we're fighting for our lives, like, he would have been (laughs) deposed as the leader of this revolt the moment he would have been uh, weak, so that's very, very anachronistic. That's done differently in the Spartacus uh, series, where... I'm sure it is, yeah. Basically, the uh, climactic episode, the one where the uprising first begins, and the shop of uh, Batiatus is uh, is overthrown by uh, the merchandise. Uh, that episode is called, Kill Them All! And it's just one big explosion of gory violence and like revenge fantasies. And, well, uh, mm. Yeah, totally yeah. different. Kill them! Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because uh, today the depiction, the, the, the 1960 depiction of Spartacus wouldn't fly because it would be, okay, whatever. Is this what you think that, his, that history was like? Just like noble uh, people? <laughs> we don't want to watch that uh, anymore. And like the series, it's got that kind of fascistic, bare-chested violence, just like in the, uh, the film 300. Like there's sort of the flimsy premise that we can identify with with the slaves meeting out the violence because we first in the first couple of episodes we see how they're being treated, and then okay, then the violence starts and we can cheer on all the limbs being cut off and the blood <laughs> flying. Oh, it's so good. No. Yeah, I don't know what to think of the series. Uh, I guess it's pretty uneven. Like, uh, there's four seasons and some are better than others. Uh, it's it's very, uh, very gory. But one thing that I liked about it is how they did uh, the uh, dialogues. Have you ever witnessed such a thing? 
So many hearts beating towards inevitable end. Why did you call me here, Crassus? Same reason you came. Curiosity. And has it been satisfied? We've vexed each other for many months. Both suffering grievous wound upon effort. Yet have never broken single word. There are none that would hold difference. Perhaps. Because in Latin, there are no articles in the language. So there's no the or an or a. Okay. And so they did all the dialogue in the series also like that. So they tried to kind of emulate the uh, Latin uh, grammar. Huh. And uh, that makes it kind of interesting. Interesting. These old films, you just get, at least now in the present, we get so distracted by the obviously Californian-American accent. I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. No. <laughs> and it's just like it sounds like San Fernando Valley or whatever. <laughs> It's it's frustrating. And then in Gladiator, you have an Australian actor uh, with a British accent uh, to be Roman. It no longer works for me. And I like the attempts to not do it that way. I also very much liked, for example, in Apocalypto with the ancient uh, Mayan language and in the uh, Romulus and Remus uh, film that we watched for another episode where they tried to reconstruct ancient uh, Latin. And do that every time, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also in the show Vikings, they have a lot of... like older uh, English and uh, old French. Awesome. And old Norse. Yeah, awesome. I prefer awesome. that. Yeah. But what is more awesome in these past movies uh, are the sets. In Spartacus, incredible sets. Yes, no CGI. The horse race. Oh my goodness, that is like Hollywood at its best. The Ben-Hur you're talking about? Uh, about yeah, ben- sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. I read about it. it. It took like three months to shoot the yeah. sequence. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, wow. And you could just see how dangerous <laughs> it was. Like why, to why. put 40 different horses in an enclosure, overstimulate them with an audience of like 50,000 people, and then <laughs> just great. see what happens. <laughs> it's incredible. I think it's, I think it's also that if I were there in the middle of this, you know, Madison Square Garden type uh, Colosseum, and people were cheering, I, oh, I, would, I would be deadly. You wouldn't want to <laughs> to fight against me unless you were stronger and more skilled. Then that, that would be fine. I guess you would kill me if, <laughs> in that case. But I would be like, Rah! yeah, because you know, it's you can feel in these movies how how it makes uh, could make you crazy. So let's talk a little bit about Spartacus. So he goes to the south, he goes to the north. He starts out, and this is one of the main roles that I enjoyed in the series and in the film. There's the uh, character of just a guy who has a little mom-and-pop gladiator school, Batiatus. <laughs> Everything we have dreamed of, suffered, and died for, the worth of it all turns upon this single moment. You face the house of Salonius and his ill-gotten men. You stand outnumbered, but not outmatched. Only one man will claim victory this day and earn the title the champion of Capua. And by the gods, that man will be from the fucking house of Batiatus! Just trying to eke out a living, letting men fight to the death, and the shop collapses. (laughs) The merchandise goes free, they kill everybody, and then gradually coalesce into an army, which ransacks the Roman countryside, goes north, goes south. Defeats uh, Roman armies. But in the end, is defeated 
by a figure we've already seen before, mm-hmm. uh, our, our good friend Crassus. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about him in the uh, Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar uh, uh, yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. yeah. episodes. Yeah, him and Pompeius Magnus, they... Uh, Pompey the Great, please, Pompey the Great. Pompey, Pompey the Great. It becomes like a big deal, slowly big deal, and it becomes a political opportunity for both of them to, you know, uh, earn a great victory saving Rome, because at the end he was uh, headed to Rome. And then the climax of the movie is, for some reason, three quarters of the way in. <laughs> like, there's a whole bunch of movie afterwards, which is, like, totally anticlimactic. <laughs> but... But the part, like, I'm Spartacus, it, it works. It works. It's a great scene. It's very emotional. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. That guy's Spartacus. And it mirrors uh, at the time with uh, McCarthyism, where people were supposed to name names. No, we're all in this together because they want to know who is Spartacus in order to say, if you give up uh, that name, then you'll all be freed. Mm-hmm. Not free, you all get to live, you won't be free, you just go back to being slaves. And then, as he wants to say that he's Spartacus, a lot of people start uh, to stand up and claim that they are Spartacus, and it's very, very symbolic. It's also like the end of a dead poet society when uh, because I, uh, Captain we, my they Captain. Can't, they can't possibly punish us all. Well, they didn't count on the Romans. <laughs> 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 okay, so yeah, they're doing a strike, a slave strike. So, what happens to them uh, later? So then uh, what happens later is, well, the main road going south from Rome, the uh, Via Appia, which also leads to uh, Capua, becomes the scene for a mass crucifixion. Crucifixion? Yes. Good. Out of the door, line on the left, one cross each. Next. Crucifixion? Good. And from the site of the battle all the way to Rome, in regular intervals, one slave is crucified. Pour encourager les autres. I suppose. <laughs> For other slaves to think that this is a good idea. But actually, Spartacus was killed uh, probably in the last battle against Crassus. His body was never found, never identified, so it's not uh, like in the movie. And uh, there in the movie has a, a slave uh, girlfriend, wife, who's also a made to be a prostitute when they, are, when they are slaves, but he's very noble, doesn't want uh, to touch her. Also very realistic, I'm sure, of uh, super hormonal uh, gladiators who fight to the death every other day. Just be gentle with, uh, with the woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very progressive uh, yeah. on his part. He's a feminist. He was all about consent. <laughs> That's also his main objection to all of this. The, you don't have my consent for these games. I object. Yeah. <laughs> so, so is, Spartacus is interesting <laughs> because, first of all, there's like the the individual freedom thing, like I, you don't have my consent. But then there's the collectivist uh, theme that like we're all, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. So it's like an interesting amalgamation of a character, which is why he survived uh, up to now, and different people can still uh, cheer for him and uh, and like him. Mm-hmm. In the series, the uh, I'm Spartacus is used in a different way. So when the uh, slave army is ransacking the uh, Italian countryside, there's one sequence where a whole bunch of different uh, fighting slaves, gladiators, are you know chopping down Romans, and each of them then says, "I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus." Uh, so it becomes kind of a you know Scarlet Pimpernel, uh, you know, kind of. 
uh, alias which they all use to just to intimidate. Interesting. You mentioned the life of Brian. There, it's done the opposite. They're all saying, "I'm Brian of Nazareth." What? Yeah, I'm Brian of Nazareth. Take him down. I'm Brian of Nazareth. I'm Brian. Who's Brian? I'm Brian. I'm Brian. I'm Brian, and so's my wife. To get her off the cross, yeah. so it's a little uh, less uh, less noble. But in the movie, you don't see any of the ransacking uh, of the Italian countryside. It's just like Moses let my people go, and they want to go from the south. They don't make it. We don't actually know exactly what happened, why they went south and north. It's just uh, speculation, no. basically. Okay, a little guestroll again for the uh, Cilician pirates, the same ones that uh, held uh, Caesar. They were the, going to be the ones that were going to l- get the uh, slave army out of Italy. So they were going to be hired to bring in their boats and to uh, lift them for everyone from the beach. But then they don't, because you cannot trust pirates. <laughs> you can, see, but you can trust Romans. Right. And there's and there's another person living in the Roman Empire a little bit later that trusts uh, someone Roman and then he pays for it and he lies, his life goes to shit, talking about Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of... Uh, this is a 59 movie. Uh, yeah, let's wrap up Spartacus. I guess there's a couple okay. of things that are very, very 1950s, early 1960s. So one of them that's really different from the current Spartacus series is that in 1960, gay is bad, Right. Therefore, there's this whole scene where Crassus is basically hinting at, oh, I both like uh, snails and oysters, uh, to kind of symbolize how, how evil he is that he's kind of by. Do you eat oysters? When I have the master. Do you eat snails? No, master. Do you consider the eating of oysters to be moral and the eating of snails to be immoral? No, Master. Of course not. It is all a matter of taste, isn't it? Yes, Master. And taste is not the same as appetite, and therefore not a question of morals, is it? Mm. It could be argued so, Master. My robe, Antoninus. My taste includes both snails and oysters. Join. You like movies about gladiators? And that's totally different in the uh, current Spartacus series where some of the gladiators are gay and it's kind of treated morally neutral. And, and the other thing about the 1960 Spartacus film is, of course, that that's also super Christian. For example, at some point, Spartacus is supposed to be praying for a god for the slaves. 
right? So this uh -huh, is basically uh -huh, prefiguring yes. the whole yes. uh, Christianity. Yeah. yeah, and at the beginning, uh, they say that the Christianity will come in to, to save uh, the world from pagan tyranny because from history, we know that uh, only pagans uh, are, can be tyrannical. Monotheistic, right. uh, monotheistic uh, peoples uh, always treat uh, other peoples that are living in their uh, area very nicely and very gently. Once Christianity appeared, all ethical lapses ended. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <It's> problem solved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Though true uh, for the gladiatorial games, right? Constantine actually was the one who banned the gladiatorial death matches. Oh. He, he thought it was unbecoming that Romans were going to watch it. I mean, there were still executions. Uh, you were just sent to the mines. Yes. Okay. The arena that ended, it was unchristian. No, I can understand how things within Christianity could be used for you know, more uh, personal freedoms and more and more just society, just like, it's weird. I, I, I'm genuinely not sure if I'd rather die in the mines <laughs> or just <laughs> do one death match and then have it over. I'm not sure which one's better. That's true, that's true. I think, I think the, the contrast between the, the, the film Spartacus and the show Spartacus is that uh, in order... So it's just the amount of fake news that you have to pour into an existing story to just just shows how much fake news you need for propaganda for historical and political propaganda just you have to omit so many so many things and invent so many things in order to tell something so if your uh, your story and your beliefs are you know true then why do you have to lie so much like i can espouse my own ideals through uh uh, a more realistic depiction of the slave revolts. So say, okay, they were also violent, but it was it was the system that mm. was the problem, not the individuals. But uh, maybe I don't know. That makes uh, that used to make a lot more people uh, uncomfortable. But today it's the opposite. Just it's the propaganda that makes you feel uh, uh, uncomfortable. When I lived in uh, Berlin and I went to the institute where I was a guest, I used to come every day by a little uh, canal where two of the leaders of the Spartacus uprising had been murdered by the uh, proto-fascists. Mm. By the end of the First World War, there was this mayhem in Germany, and there was an uprising of the communists who previously had called themselves the Spartacus League. So this was the Spartacus uprising led, among others, by Rosa Luxemburg and uh, Karl Liebknecht. Oh. For these marchers, Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht are real heroes. Thousands turned out to mark the 100th anniversary of the deaths of the communist leaders, trudging 15 kilometers in the rain to the couple's memorial. Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht were murdered a hundred years ago. Their struggle still counts. We can see that in the rise of militarism, the problems that we have with racism in Germany, the swing to the far right. Those are all reasons why we're here. And they were captured by the Freikorps, the Free Corps, which were the beginnings of the SA, basically. Mm. The Free Corps. Okay. Yeah, they were, named. They, well, they were free in the sense that these were remnants of the old uh, imperial army who were now, like the army had been shrunk by the victors. So there was a whole bunch of angry, angry Germans with weapons who were, uh, who were free agents. So they didn't start. So they didn't try to get out of uh, Italy. They just uh, went, uh, stayed where they were, just killed people who 
wanted to change the political system. That's right. They were hunting okay. uh, socialists and Jews, and uh, yeah. and Rosa Luxemburg was both. And so she was uh, shot and thrown in the canal. And there's a little memorial that I used to walk past every day where she was uh, murdered, the leader of uh, Spartacus, in mm. our time. Mm. 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 So on that side now, do you want to move to Ben-Hur? Ben-Hur, yes. Ben-Hur, okay, Ben-Hur. Maybe we already talked about Ben-Hur when we talked about... Uh, yeah. Yeah, we already talked how, how incredibly Jesus-y it was. Okay, okay. And, and how, how Charlton Heston is, is obviously well cast as Prince of Judea. <laughs> yes, looks very Jewish. <laughs> Super Jewish. <laughs> I, that's what I thought immediately. Wow, this is compelling. <laughs> You're a Roman and I'm a Jew. Let's talk a little bit about the death rates and the survivability. Okay. Gladiatorial matches weren't necessarily to the death. So the average death rate in the empire and the late republic was somewhere between one-fifth to one-quarter. So that means, like, on average, your waiting time until death as a gladiator was, well, after about five matches, you were done. I guess this is a little bit like um, life expectancy, where oftentimes, especially in less developed cultures, it's kind of skewed towards just child mortality. If it seems like the life expectancy is very low, it's probably because like infants died a lot. And this is probably kind of the same way in that most gladiators um, only had their first game. <laughs> if you made it through the first one and you were a little over the initial shock, then you could maybe last a long time. For example, there's a record of a gladiator who um, was buried with all honors, and he, uh, well, he had about 30 wins. He also had nine ties and also four losses, and they just they let him go. There was also another record of a gladiator who had done over 100 matches. So it's like it's very skewed. There's the good ones who could last a long time and uh, bad ones who uh, you just never made it beyond the first uh, attempt. And, and that was that. It's like the professional uh, poker players who play online. They get their money out of just like newbies coming in. It's like, hey, I'm going to try a little bit. That's how they make their money. Yep. Taking yeah. money from them, not yeah. from other pros. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, kind of like a Pareto distribution, like all the wins accrue to a couple of them and, and everybody else just gets fucked the first try. Right? Yeah. So something about uh, gladiators, uh, how skilled uh, they were at individual fighting. And then in the last, uh, the last battle against the Romans who fight collectively, then you, no matter how skilled you are, uh, when you fight against a trained army, it's just like, you know, five uh, talented uh, football soccer players or American football players mm -hmm. <laughs> fighting against a team that is well-trained and uh, ready and professional. Mm -hmm. You could run, that, just, you can't beat the, you know, the cooperation in large oh, yeah, You numbers. can do all the trick shots and be the Harlem Globetrotters or whatever, but against just a, an actual team that uh, really passes to each other, um, you yeah. will lose in the end. Yeah, and well-coached and hierarchical also. Yeah. You can tell all the others, this is what you do. If you're not going to do this, you're going to do prison. Mm -hmm. Leading an army of uh, rebel slaves 
sounds like a very, very, very hard thing to do. A lot of ego, a lot of uh, suicidal people, a lot of borderline people, I'm sure. I'm traumatized. <laughs> Everybody's super traumatized. Yeah, but also a lot of people from very different cultures. Like the Romans uh, were Romanized, but here these are like captured people from all around the edges of the empire. They probably spoke different languages. Yeah. You know, totally, I, totally different from each other. Actually, part of the of the methods that the Romans used uh, to after the Servile Wars was uh, to put people from different uh, origins in one place and not uh, teach them Latin. So, and they, they they didn't have a lingua franca to talk uh, among themselves. And it reminds me of uh, I don't remember which uh, Roman uh, politician offered it uh, offered this uh, suggestion uh, because you. You said like the slavery wasn't racial and walking on the street, oftentimes you couldn't know if someone was a slave or was uh, just a regular person. So he suggested that they all wear a mark that would uh, identify them as slaves. But then uh, that offer was rebuffed because it was like, uh, but then they will know how, how many of them <laughs> there are and they can cooperate against us. So no, no, please. Uh, <laughs> overruled <laughs> what a fucked up psychological trick right it's basically like a game theoretical type of uh, thing like you don't know in what capacity somebody else in the street is so, so therefore you wouldn't cooperate but when you can see it then, then you know you're in the same class and then you would reciprocate with each other and work together against uh, against the masters yeah yeah. By the way, so we sh I guess we should uh, briefly uh, mention uh, that uh, the, the crucifixions of the slaves is, the, of course, mirrored in Game of Thrones with the crucifixion of the masters. Of the masters. And of, and of the slaves, like at the beginning of the third season, she gives a drink to a crucified slave on the, on the pier, though. Mm. But then she does it on the road, right? Like every mile, every kilometer, whatever. I'm sure they use miles in uh, Essos, mm. right? Uh, okay, so you want to wrap it up? Uh, yes. Uh, well, I guess one last factoid which pertains to Gladiator. Um, the uh, story of the emperor fighting in the arena is actually mm. true. Right, emperor right, Commodus right. fought in the arena a bunch of times. He preferred the specific role of the secutor, which is one of the most heavily armed ones, um, and then the people he that gave he also blunt the weapons to his uh, opponents, right? Supposedly. But he usually wouldn't kill them, so they then would yield, and then he would let them go uh, in the one-on-one -on -one matches, and that was kind of good for the gladiators as well because then they could show the wounds that had been inflicted upon them by the emperor, which uh -huh. was kind of glorious. But sometimes he also had other games, like uh, he had uh, games where. Um, uh, different uh, people who were physically handicapped were all tied together and then he would club them to death for, for fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does sound like fun. But so, like, the way it's depicted in Gladiator with, like, an almost fair one-on-one fight, which he then loses, or, yeah, that... Mm, I mean, obviously, Gladiator is fiction. But there was an emperor who, uh, who fought in the arena, Commodus. Right, and, and his father, Mark Orell... Marcus yep. Aurelius didn't ban the gladiatorial games, uh, as they said in the, the movie. No, in the and actually uh, some of the uh, emperors that we've come to slightly sympathize with weren't all that nice. Like uh, Claudius actually uh, 
reintroduced that all losers should be executed. Mm. Uncle Claudius. Uncle Claudius. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, tell yeah, okay, finish the, do the outro. If you enjoy, da da da, check a check a boo. <laughs> if you enjoy, da, 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 <laughs> just one cup of coffee. No, you don't want to do it properly. No, no, I'll, I'll do it properly. Uh, we have a podcast which has been going on for quite a while now, and we are very committed to it. We have a new episode every Monday. Every Monday. Every Monday, and we try to give you good content, and we yes. get positive feedback from people who say it is good content. And so if you stumble across this and you think, wow, this is pretty good, um, and you would like to uh, help us out and kind of support this a little bit, then we would love that. Now, we already love it when you're just listening. Like, we, we love, that's the idea that people listen to this, but you can help us out but, a little bit. And the, the, yeah, the way that we can keep doing it is through people supporting uh, the show. That, the, that way we can dedicate to it a lot of time every week to make sure that we have a new episode every week for months and months and months. Yep. And so there's, there's a couple of ways in which you can support us. Now, let's, let's start with things that we also appreciate very much, which don't, which don't cost you anything, because I think that's worth pointing out. Like, if you like this, then we love it if, for example, you just tell your friends, tell your mom, like, oh, I've been listening to this thing, check it out. Awesome. Please do that. Or if you have no friends, uh, but you uh, do have access to the internet, you could leave a review or a like, for example, on iTunes, there's reviews, so you can give us a bunch of stars or you can write something nice. We absolutely enjoy that. So, so those type of things, or just post it on your social media, whatever. Thank you very much. That's awesome. What's also awesome is, uh, is money. And um, so you could uh, donate a little bit. And uh, there's a couple of ways in which uh, you could do that. You could do it one time through PayPal. You could do it recurrent and become a Patreon, which means you're a real friend of the show. And you become kind of part of the in-crowd. And we have like a little forum where we uh, talk with our real friends. Um, and uh, you can find out how to do that by visiting our website. Ourpodacademy.com ourportacademy.com yes ourportacademy.com it's a beautiful website good job also thank you uh, okay so thank you everybody uh, for tuning in yeah thank you we'll, and we'll see, thank you Ulcha, and we'll see you all next Monday yes see you then see you then bye 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 bye